Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to yet another episode of Help from Future Self, a conversational Keyforge podcast amongst Keyforge pals. And this week, I actually do not have Scuzzy or the Wheeling Keyforger Rick with me. We have two other local guests that are joining us. Um, JD, you've been on before. Uh, why don't you say hi to everyone? Hey, all Keyforgers. Hi, Dick. Hey, it's great to have you on again. And we have a newcomer to the podcast, and that is uh, one of our great local players, uh, Jens. Uh, Jens, why don't you say hi? Hey, what's up, guys? So, um, yeah, unfortunately, um, Rick was feeling under the weather, and so he had to make a call yesterday that um, he just needed to rest, and which is perfectly fine. And then uh, Alex is actually on the other side of the pond in Italy. So he's uh, he's living the rough life, uh, getting to to play some Italian keyforge. No, no, he's he's hanging out with family in uh, Italy, which is a fantastic thing to do. Um, I'm super happy for him, and I hope he's having a great time out there, and he gets to hear this uh, over on his travels. That's awesome. Yeah, so, great time for him. Um, since you guys are somewhat new, why don't you just give a little bit of rundown about uh, how you got into keyforge? Um, I th- I think Jonathan. People know you because you've been on before, but Jens, no one's no one's heard of you before on our podcast, and I know you've listened uh, quite regularly, which is a fantastic support. So, just tell a little bit about yourself, how you got into KeyForge. Um, I was basically looking for something to do. I finished a master's degree and, and kind of needed a hobby, so I started looking into different uh, competitive games out there, and I was really, really interested uh, in particular about KeyForge because of the unique nature of it, having that one deck that really nobody else has. Uh, not having to spend a whole whack of time on deck building and all that other thing. So I thought I'd, I'd give it a shot. And, uh, and well, as they say, the rest is history. It's become uh, something that probably has taken more time than if I took up something that deck built it. But, you know, that's all good. Yes, but you're spending time playing, which is the difference. Precisely, yeah. Spending time playing, learning how the different cards interact with each other, as opposed to spending all that time deck building and hoping that you have something, something good. So that, that's been really, really great for me. Now, um, I think between the three of us, when either when any of us play against one another, I think we always have really intense, uh, very intense matches that you never know which way they're going to go. Uh, would you guys say that's a fair assessment? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah, I'm always like, okay, I I definitely have to bring in my A game now if I if I'm facing either of you at uh, any stage of a tournament, especially in the final round, because that means you definitely have some sauce with you today. Yeah, and I, I mean uh, the, the the games of back and forth that, that you and I in particular have had Blake over over the the course of the last six months have have really uh, sort of shaped the way I look at Keyforge. That really anything can happen at any given time. So yes, both to and against you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been good times. Uh, Jonathan, um, how how have you been lately? I know you haven't been on the show for a while. Um, what's yeah. new and exciting within Keyforge with you? Oh, I've been having a blast with Keyforge the last few months. Um, Obviously, I spend time with you down in Vegas um, at the uh, Vault Tour, very first Vault Tour I went to. Uh, that was uh, a absolute blast. Uh, other than that, we've had Prime Championships. We had Store Championships in Vancouver. Uh, seeing uh, loads of people come up from Seattle, seeing some familiar faces even from the Vault Tour, uh, which was uh, was great to see. Uh, and then just playing every odd week um, at our local tournaments. It's been, it's been great. Yeah, it definitely has. So today we decided to uh, kick things off with a segment that we've done before, but with these gents we have not. So I thought it'd be a fun one to do because it can reflect on our experience with 
maybe worlds collide, maybe not. But I, but for me, it's it's reflecting on worlds collide, and that is the segment of over under. So, gentlemen, uh, Jens, as you are the the most new guest and technically the guest, why don't we have uh, you kick things off with one of your cards? Um, one of the cards that I've chosen is Fidget, uh, who is a two power elusive shadows creature. Uh, that is a fairy thief, and, and, and Fidget says, Reap, discard a random card from your opponent's archives or the top card of their deck. If that card is an action, play it as if it were yours. Now, when I first heard about this card, I was super excited because I love Merkins from AOA, and I felt like this was a, a Merkins with a with an ability that could, that could constantly be used as long as, of course, it doesn't get blown up. Um, and what I've found is it's not nearly as much fun to play. For me, it, it's become a bit of an under- it's not nearly as much fun to play as Merkins because uh, I, I find it doesn't interact so so easily with your opponent. Yes, it discards a card, and yes, it might play an action, but with, with the Merkins, it, it could be a creature, it could be an artifact, it could be whatever, and I find that that's just way, way more fun. So although that this card has a more lasting ability, it, it really hasn't met expectations for me. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I've I've had... I, it's It's been a coin toss. It's it's literally like the wild wormhole now of a creature form that reaps because you're you're right. It, it sometimes is hit or miss and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that, that you don't know. I like wild wormhole. I know, Blake, you don't and uh, <laughs> from, from past experience. But, you know, I like that excitement of that gamble of playing Merkins or playing a wild wormhole and seeing kind of what might happen um, as long as you've kind of got rid of some outs. But, um, you know, I just have found that Yes, I guess there there could be less there could be more or less downside uh, with fidget because as you reap, you, you know you're only going to play that action, uh, so it might not mess something up. And yes, you are maybe discarding something uh, that that your opponent could use, but I just don't find it's quite as exciting as as playing Merkins or Wild Wormhole, Wormhole personally. That's a very fair assessment. It also takes a bit to set up as well, right? Because you're you're putting it out there, it puts a little threat on the on the board, but um, yeah. yeah. It's not really like a, a number one killer for me if I see it. No, I, I like it as a turn one play. So then you know you're probably calling shadows again. Like yeah. you have shadows cards and then you can just use it and then you get that one use and move on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's always fun when you hit that big target, right? That that your opponent really doesn't want you to hit and they're like, oh man. I mean, that's super fun, but it's not near as fun as, as that Merkins play for me. So it's it's been a little bit disappointing. Fair enough. On the uh, plus side though, it does have some, some super cute art. Yeah. The art is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Jonathan, uh, what's what's your first card up today? Uh, yeah, I'll uh, talk for a very regular one that's been in pretty much all the sets. Um, Nature's Call. Um, for those who don't know, it's an untamed action card. Uh, it has one amber pip on it on play. Uh, but what it does is you're able to return up to three uh, creatures um, on the board. These could be your opponent's creatures or your uh, your own creatures. What I really like about this, I've been a, a big fan of um, Nature's Call since the very beginning, um, just because of the versatility it actually has. Uh, it's probably in my top five cards of the whole game, in, in my opinion. Um, it's got great control for any kind of pesky big creatures on your on your opponent's side that you just need to get out uh, and get out of the way, either taunts or um, uh Creatures with abilities that you don't want to proc of actions or, or reaps and um, just make sure that they have to play it again. Um, but where it really shines is actually in Untamed itself. Um, you can set up these crazy combos um, where you burst um, up to 13 amber at some points if you have some nice hunting witches, full moons, uh, flaxes, one that comes to mind. It's a fantastic card where you can uh, manipulate the board. Um, 
the other ones with uh, which I recently learned in a local tournament um, last week is the the hunting witch um, Telga and Witch of the Eye um, combo. If you get those combinations on board uh, with the Nature's Call, uh, it's a real um, trouble to deal with. You can pretty much lock your opponent out of the game, uh, especially if you get it very early on. Um, it's yeah, it's great. It has um, a lot of versatility. It's now become even better, in my opinion, uh, with uh, pretty much being an anti-Syrians card, um, which uh, I think you've both been on the receiving end, and I've been on the receiving end as well of. Uh, yep. You're sitting very nice and pretty on um, a big pile of stolen or captured amber. You're exalting, and then you're putting Imperial Scrutum, or uh, uh, you have a destroyed effect where it removes, uh, once this creature's destroyed, it moves to the common pile instead of your opponent. Uh, but this actually gets around it because you're not actually destroying the creature, you're just lifting it from the board. Um, so it's a, it's one to have in the back pocket for sure. That's um, just a fantastic card overall. I've had similar success with um, everything you just said, especially the Saurian thing. It's it's become my number one choice for dino removal, even more so than Hysteria, because you're in more control over what's happening. So I really like it for that reason. I think Nature's Call also has a lot of utility if you're playing something like Harmonia, right? So you're able to sort of redo that combo. I've seen that work really effectively as well in some decks that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. Now, for my card, um, I'm going to be talking about a Star Alliance action called Red Alert. It's a action card with a play effect that says, if there are more enemy creatures than friendly creatures, deal damage to each enemy creature equal to the difference. Now, I want to say that this card is an amazing card. It does can do amazing things, but it's an under for me right now because the decks I've been playing with it, I've been getting on board more, so it just doesn't fire. And that's the reason why it's currently an under for me, but I anticipate it becoming... Well, I know it's a good card, but just lately, it's just an under because I haven't been able to utilize the effect, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I found that it's it's one of those cards that really comes in handy if you get behind early. Um, yes. You know, and I've, I've seen that work in, in my favor playing against you, Blake. I remember a game we had yeah. where you put you built a big board twice and I said, red alert, and you went, okay. And uh, that happened a couple times and sort of decided that game, really. Uh, so yes. it does have great utility in terms of that. I think it's one of those ones that flies under the radar as well, right? Where you, you don't expect it to come from Star Alliance. Um, and it can just creep up where you're like, you're sitting pretty in a, a big, heavy board. And then it's like, oh, well, you've just killed my board, but now your board's dead. Yeah, it's true. So, Jens, what's your next card? Uh, my next card is The Floor is Lava, which is a Brobnar artifact with a uh, Amber Pip. And it says, at the start of your turn, deal one damage to a friendly creature and one damage to an enemy creature. Uh, now, this was not a card I was excited about uh, when I first heard about it in Worlds Collide, but uh, it's really become an over for me because I think it just has so much fun things that you can do with it, right? I've I've shot off wards with it. Uh, I've been able to set up um, A-Vinda or J-Vinda combos uh, with that card. Um, I've been able to grow my creatures, so, you know, using it to shoot a Gron nine toes and making him making him nine or a Mega Gron nine toes and making him 11 uh, just with shooting him once. It's really become a card that I think has so much utility and, and does so much in this set that wasn't something I was at all excited about. But after using it, it's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I've, I, I think it is a utility card. It's, it's kind of, it's without a doubt very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it brings a lot of choices that you have to make. Um, I think you know it brings a lot of interesting choices um, and allows you to really think through how you're going to use the damage because, of course, it can hurt you, but 
thinking through how you can use that damage to help benefit your side, even though you have to shoot one of your dudes, is something that's really cool. 100%, 100%. Now, uh, Jonathan, what is your next card? Uh, so the one I picked for underperforming is Harbinger of Doom. Uh, this is a disc creature. Um, it's two power, it has three armor, and it has a destroyed effect. And when it's uh, when it's destroyed, it has destroy each creature. Um, it has this really creepy art, a uh, very Stephen King uh, approach, where this creepy demon's luring the Star Alliance child. Um, as a concept card, I think it's super interesting. Um, I really like the design of it. Um, just both from whenever it hits the board, it drastically changes the meta of that game. Um, because you're always thinking about, oh, the creatures that I currently have in play versus what I'm playing against, but also like what, how many creatures you actually play after that card's been played because it could destroy your engine depending on what kind of deck you have. Uh, if this thing gets destroyed, it just wipes the whole board. Um, the reason it's underperforming for me is because a lot of the things to do to set it up, um, the current decks that I have, I, I got a display box and I have... Pretty much 11 out of the decks were dis, and this appeared up uh, quite a bit. But unless you have something that can destroy it on play, it takes a while for it to really utilize its utility. Um, one of the things that happened to me quite a bit was playing against a lot of um, Star Alliance decks, where majority of those creatures on that board where you're trying to throw yourself into it, uh, it doesn't give um, enough to whack against because it has three armor, a majority of the creatures on Star Alliance are, are three or lower, uh, with a few highlighters being four, four or fives. Uh, so it it locks you into trying to deal with a board, but playing this and not getting much utility out of it, uh, and it can become uh, quite annoying to pull off. The thing I've noticed that in some of my decks it has is Harbinger, and if you have Draining Touch, you can just drop it, kill the board, and then get on with your get on with your game. Um, but yeah, overall, it's become more of an anti-synergy for me. And anytime I see it in a deck, I'm just like, oh, I'd probably discard it before I actually play it. Fair enough. I mean, one cool combo I've seen with that is that uh, using Harbinger, and then if you have Obsidian Forge, using that to blow up your Harbinger and then blow up the board, that's been something that I've seen used against me on a number of occasions. That's been a really cool synergy I've seen. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it'd be like we'll probably get to this later with the like playing against other or decks, but when I was thinking about it more, this would be absolutely fantastic against a Grump Buggy deck mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. they're always like big, beefy creatures and majority of them have to be five or higher to manipulate. But you throw that in, it's like bye-bye to the Grump Buggy strategy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So for my last card, I chose Spartasaur, which is a Saurian creature that has six power, one armor, and it has a passive ability that says after a friendly creature is destroyed, destroy each non-dinosaur creature fight gain two so tip of the day you drop this turn one you have pretty much got control of that game it is very hard not to put yourself in a position where you are just dominating because you keep fighting gaining two ember if you can get a golden spiral and make it happen twice any of your creatures you have to clear the board you just have to kill one of your creatures and you wipe the board as provided they're not sorry as well so this card has been overperforming for me where it literally locked a game out for me because they just couldn't put a board down. And I would keep fighting and gaining two and I would purposely choose elusive creatures. Break the elusive with this gain two, then swing in the other creature to uh, trade and then wipe the whole board. It's uh, It's been a very interesting card, I must say. And I think 
it does have the potential to to burn you because it works both ways. Like someone can destroy one of your creatures when you don't have a lot of dinos, and then you get burnt as well. But it's it's uh it's very interesting and provides some cool lines of play. I think. Yeah, it's it's a great card. I think the only time I seen it in the wild actually was playing against you, Blake, and we were both so ecstatic whenever we were thinking about the different combos you could do with it. It was uh, it brings yeah. a lot of versatility to the game. Okay, so let's move on to the main topic of the day. And today what we want to talk about is how the meta has evolved. And we're going to be speaking from our local scene. And what this is in titles is like now we have three sets and certain decks have evolved or devolved almost as a response to what now exists and what people are playing. And this whole thing started because we have a great player, uh, June, and she opened up a fantastic deck that just does some disgusting things and it caused us to realize when we come to to chainbound this next this next this last one we did that we were not just able to bring a fun deck we actually had to bring some heat or else we would just get stopped so we got to experience this and gentlemen i would like to know your take like what has what have you noticed now like because this was i think the first time that we got to try uh, well at least jonathan and i got to try some other decks against a world's collide meta and I know Jens, you probably you you know the deck we're talking about, so you've seen it in action, and and I'm sure it caused you to start thinking about how would I combat that. Yeah, for sure. So actually, why don't we start with you, Jens? Uh, you played against this deck. To, just to sum it up, this deck has has all the tricks you would want between Logos, Star Alliance, and the Saurians. Has Golden Spirals. It has double tributes. Has Shrixes. It has all the fun stuff that exists toward in the Star Alliance suite, and then it on top of it has Hologramophone to continue warding, it has ways of cycling with double Tau Tau Vapors, it has the fun reassembling Autonomaton and Neutron Shark combo, so it can just basically keep firing one after the other. So it's it's a gross deck, and it does exactly what you think it would do hearing about those three houses. But the main things are the tribute, the double tribute in it, I think, and the ability to archive in that deck. So Jens, what's your take on this deck? I mean, it was it was painful to play against, right? It was it basically blew me out uh, completely, and and sort of I was sort of thinking like, what what could I bring to sort of beat this deck? And and I mean, for me, I think something that could could likely beat it is is one a, a deck I have that has a lot of artifact hate, that has a bigger board, and and, and has key abduction, uh, that has some things that can that can destroy. Uh, quite a few creatures and and has not necessarily a lot of amber pips but but can get you through with, with quite a bit of amber uh, setting up uh, making sure you set things up so that that tribute doesn't hurt you and all those other things so um you know i was I, i've been thinking about it a, a lot and, and and really it is finding those ways to to get around those things to to forge keys fast so that you know you're not going to get a chance to get that amber stolen from you is is key uh, to make sure that you are um are, are not maybe going so far ahead so that, you know, the things that that deck does comes back and bite you. And I, I think really trying to find something that, that kills off those artifacts, right? That the golden spiral thing really, really does hurt. So how can you kill off those artifacts as best you can? And so finding things that, that do that, like, like there's that, that Mars card from Coda that, that destroys all artifacts, right? That would be something that would come AMP really blast. handy. AMP blast, right? Something that would come really in handy against this deck. Um, but then that causes other problems with the meta because then people are going to start bringing things like Infernus or other things that are going to end up messing you around. So <laughs> the rock, paper, scissors is really, really interesting depending on on how you're playing it out. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the idea of 
how do I deal with artifacts is become so much more relevant than ever before. Like artifacts are always a thing you you kind of could get burned by, but the amount of artifacts that exist in Worlds Collide that are truly potent and change the way a game can go is absolutely unbelievable now. So I'm finding that I'm, I'm really like, if I don't have some artifact control, I'm a little bit more worried. Yeah, it's scary, right? You go up against a deck that has double golden spiral and, and some crazy things that can do it. It's a really scary thing to think about it especially if you don't have a way to deal with it yeah agreed now jonathan you um you basically knew you're playing against it so you chose a deck what, what was your thought process in a deck you chose knowing you'd be going against uh these type of things like the dinosaurs the star alliance uh the way that logos protects and and cycles like what, what were some of the things that you were thinking about because i know i wasn't just thinking about june's deck when i when i did make my personal selection mm -hmm. but i was thinking about all the things that existed because i happened to um, play a game against our other friend Matt's, and he was wrecking me as well. So it it provided two different decks that did completely different things, and both were problematic. So I had to think of some ways that the meta has evolved, and how do we answer that? So what was your thought process? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The from the, like I I seen this from a side. I, I never got matched up with during the two tournaments we were we were playing, um, but I seen that the carnage that deck did. Uh, and one of the things, as Jens pointed out, was her artifacts and how she could uh, manipulate the board and play a lot of like in-between houses, like exalting uh, friendly creatures. She has a group think tank where she can pretty much wipe your whole board. Um, um, but from her perspective, when I was looking at it, um, I didn't see all the cards she had, but I knew pretty much what Saurians do really well. Saurians are really like, beefy creatures. They, they have the ability to... Uh, capture uh, a lot of amber from you just from playing tribute um, at the at the right time. She's got crazy um, artifact con or sorry uh, archiving control, uh, so she can uh, build up those turns and really play out the board um, anytime she, she really wants. The other things with it was her um, star alliance was pretty much everything you want in a star alliance. Uh, really good play effects and giving neighbors different benefits with hazardous and um, and steal and capture. Uh, but when I was uh, Valiant, I go, okay, well, what, what do I want to play? Like, how do I play? Uh, I like to play like fast decks, ones that hit the board, being able to control. Uh, I didn't actually bring an artifact control deck. Um, I wasn't really too worried about the artifacts. Um, it was more of, I need to control the board, be able to either destroy the board very quickly. So uh, first came to mind was this. Um, the second was um, giving something with the Saurians that I can easily lift up the board. Um, so I had a deck that had Hysteria and it had um, a Nature's Call. Um, so even if they uh, she played the Tribute uh, on me, I knew I could bounce back from that. Um, there was a lot of word potential having that, so I was thinking, okay, smaller cards that can do one damage to a few people, and then ones that actually benefit from uh, her playing creatures. So I had Talga um, and uh, Embrimp. So I could slow down the board, control it, and control the pace. So always trying to think of resetting the board, stopping the engine from getting firing off, and try to burst past in Amber. Uh, and eventually, when we played on, on Monday, the previous Monday, uh, that worked out for me. Um, there was some great plays. There was two or, two or three missed plays, um, and she knows that herself. Um, that she played, and I think if we played again, and I think we definitely will be playing a lot more, um, th there's a lot of learning from that deck, and it's going to be a scary one in the meta for sure. 
Yeah, I agree. The um the deck that I brought in response to a couple things was a AOA deck that the key is it has a binite rupture interdimensional graft remote access to help slow down. It's the idea of this deck was for me to go faster and to slow them down. So like it has a double stutterkin, double dusk witch, and then the secret card in this was a legacy word of returning, which I think everyone knows is like the anti dino deck. But to go along with that, it also had to save the packs, so I can play word of returning put damage on a whole bunch of creatures and save the pack them, which was really cool. Um, the thing that was really great about this, though, that I that really made it shine was having the... It has a total recall key abduction, which is always great. So oh. it, And it has a redacted. So I had a couple of key cheats that worked, but it had a Shatterstorm, and that was really important. So for multiple reasons. In one game, I had a situation where um, I did a brig when my opponent had 10 Ember uh, over, so they basically gave me, I think it was after everything was done, they gave me 14 Ember because they forged uh, for six. I got the 14 and I already doubled mine. So then they go, oh, by the way, you know, I also have an interdimensional graft as well. And I was just like, <gasps> like heart in my, my throat because they could just suddenly pull it on me again. And this was like after key one. So I, I went up to having three keys worth of Ember not forging and he's holding it. He could have an interdimensional graft. So I got scared. But luckily I drew into my Shatterstorm, which I just held for the moment that he plays interdimensional graph and I can just go Shatterstorm, lose everything, you lose everything, you don't get it type of thing, just reset. But the the card that I actually found the most handy um, was dropping down a Dominator with the Taunt Protection and then putting a Shockworm on one side and a Resonator on the other. So make keys cost more and it's harder to kill that creature. And then when anything from Star Alliance or from the Saurian is used to reap and get those abilities, they're stunned afterwards. So it's slowing down that pace because I've noticed in Worlds Collide, all the decks, the things they do, they do them over again fast. And stunning a creature is a great way to do it, especially if it's every time it's used. It's not just you one time did it. So they're taking a full turn just to reset and be able to activate that again. I found that to be the actual best part of this deck was the the repate via stun that was very very handy yeah i mean i think stun has has got a lot more life in this set right because you are able to to slow those things down in the past it didn't seem like a big deal but i've noticed that if you're able to slow someone down by stunning them it really does give them an interesting puzzle to try to solve yes and then uh, there's one last thing I want to talk about in this segment, which is uh, the steel hate that exists. I, I've guys, I'm not gonna lie. I've I've really noticed that some of my decks that rely on steel, like I'll get a matchup where I'm like, I'm just done. Like I can't win now. Yeah. Like the stealing is irrelevant. Like I don't hold steel in as great regard as I used to. I think it it all depends on like what decks you're going up against. Like you've got like Saurians are obviously very good for it uh, with Gagantron. Is the one right mm -hmm. where you, um, yeah. you capture instead of steel, and then you have uh, a discombobulator. Yeah, you can uh, pop that on a powerful creature, keep that on the board for quite some time. Shadows has a lot of um, trouble dealing with bigger creatures. Honestly, I really, I'm really glad that they did this because uh, I think stealing was just way too powerful, um, and they're kind of giving some of the toolkits to other houses where you can steal a lot more in logos. Um, but it's not all relying on shadows, and shadows are starting to do some interesting things as well. But primarily, it's just getting that kind of always bring a shadows deck to a tournament, essentially, and that's now become more of an interesting choice. Yeah, I mean, if you look at how they balance uh, shadows in Worlds Collide, there isn't really a whole lot of stealing like 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 you would have had in the past, right? Yes, there's too much protect. Yes, there is you know the Vindas, but there's not a lot of cards that just say I'm just going to steal a whole bunch from you that doesn't 
cause any setup or, or some thoughts to, thoughts to get there. So it has really changed the way that I think uh, the game looks at stealing in order to to make sure it is a little bit more balanced in that sense. It's again re- re- relying on the uh, the board becoming a thing and utilizing your board to do such things. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, I wonder if this was like a reset of Shadows and the next set, if Shadows is still here, we're going to see them evolve because they went really back and maybe they're like, oh, maybe we went too far. Maybe the way Steel is is not helpful. So maybe that we're going to see another evolution because this was like a huge backward step for the Shadows and the the way you viewed it. And I, I'm wondering how they're going to choose to uh, go forward after this. I, I, I don't think it's a complete nerf to them. Like the, I think still. No, no, no. But it, it is still, it is still less powerful than it was. Oh yeah, for sure. The the idea with like shadows though is like you always want to uh, build them up with uh, like a big beefy deck of like either disc creatures um, that you can destroy and control the board what they lack. So there's always that balance. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just it's just super interesting overall of like how they're trying to bridge that gap between different houses and trying to like make something not reliant of oh we're always seeing shadow decks or we're always seeing logos decks now we're seeing more interesting combinations um, popping up everywhere and i think they're trying to get people to be a little bit more thoughtful with the way they play right like if you're bringing a shadows deck that just revolves around you just putting down a whole bunch of cards and stealing a bunch of amber that's not necessarily a super thoughtful way of playing but they're now causing people to interact more with the board, causing people to interact more with the other people's deck and, and the way that other person wants to play, creating a, a much more thoughtful way of playing the game. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. And and one thing I've noticed is the shadows actions are actually, you're almost using shadows to support other things because the actions are, some of them are really neat and do some some cool tricks to to help you fuel your game plan moving forward. Yeah, Not agreed. Stealing. Yeah, exactly. It's more of like a, a support house as opposed to the main, I'm just going to bring some shadows and steal everything you've got. Yeah. I think with, with uh, sorry, if we're just still on this topic, um, the, the idea of cards like that I thought were pretty weak, like from previous sets, like just get a whole new lease of life. Um, there's some ones like the smaller damage cards that you have, like the poison waves and everything that. They're just like, oh yeah, you take two damage there and then, but they're fantastic over... Uh, ward creatures right uh, and again just mentioned before is like just doing those little damages can really set up a different kind of game and really disrupt what their game plan is um, so it's super fun like going back to aoa decks and, and, and playing some of your weaker ones but they just have a new lease of life because they have the answer to that puzzle indeed indeed it's been uh last like the other week we were talking about the evolution of cards within worlds collide and now it's actually the evolution of decks within the meta well now it's time to move on to the namesake segment of this show and that is help Help from future self Self. yeah and i understand you have a help from future self for uh everyone this week uh why don't you tell everyone the tale of woe or maybe it's a tale of success who knows it's it's not successful thus far. No, it is pretty woeful. Um, I mean, I've I've been practicing with with one of our good buddies, Matts, and and he's got a deck that has uh, double medic Ingram, and and I've realized the importance of getting rid of those medic Ingrams is so important when you're facing them because they're just so good at warding almost an entire board. They can continue to ward themselves and just keep taking out opponents. I mean, it's been a a painful proposition to try to to solve that puzzle, especially if he gets both out in the early game and just and, and my board isn't established it's it's quite the uh, quite the conundrum that i've been facing so it's really f- finding out the strategy to deal with those those tricky star alliance uh, medic ingrams but i mean star alliance cards in general uh, really trying to find that 
that path to get rid of those things that can really, really disrupt you. That is definitely some good advice. I've been on the short end of playing against that deck as well. So I know exactly what you're talking about. If once he sets up the Star Alliance suite, you are in trouble because it's literally like, I don't know which thing I need to deal with first. Yeah, I mean, it has so, so, so many things that can that can mess with you that you you really... But I mean, the key I've found so far is really getting rid of those Medic Ingrams because then he's able to protect everything else if you don't, so... Indeed. I, indeed. I did want to look at that is actually bring some Mars decks. Uh, they're pretty, <laughs> I think they're pretty salty not being invited to the Star Alliance, but they're, they're a really interesting uh, matchup against those um, crazy Star Alliance decks. Interesting indeed, yes. So that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. We hope you all enjoyed your Christmas yesterday if you tend to celebrate and you got lots of Keyforge and uh, have some new decks that you want to try out now. And um, you can find us online on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. And you can also donate to our Patreon.com slash HFFF Podcast if you feel so inclined. Shout out to Sky Jedi, who is our most recent contributor. Thank you so much, sir. We really appreciate it, Luke. And... Um, Gentlemen, where can they find you? Uh, Jens, what's the best place if someone wants to reach out to you? Uh, probably on Discord. I am Jersel, J-E-R-S-L. Also on The Crucible, I am Jersel, J-E-R-S-L. Uh, I do have an Instagram, but it is a, an account that's just for friends and family. So really, The Crucible or uh, Discord would be the best place to find me. Fantastic. And Jonathan? Yeah, I'm on the Keyforge Vancouver um, group. Uh, I'm also now on Instagram uh, under at Nifilip. It's a niffle party. It's a niffle party. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys can find me at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight on Instagram, on Twitter, and also on YouTube. So uh, thanks everyone for stopping by this week. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in and we appreciate our guests. It's a pleasure having you on. And as always, stay forging. Help from future self. <laughs> I think, where, where's the echo there? Where, what's going on? Well, that was not as impressive as I'm used to hearing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>